When it comes to the pursuit of happiness, depression can create an incredible challenge for many people. Find out why talking about it is the first step. You can't pray your way out of it. You can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I mean, you have to realize it's a health issue. Hello, this is Jeff Sanders, and welcome back to another episode of the Live Happy Now podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by IV Audio Branding a Nashville-based audio consultancy firm that provides strategic audio branding for a wide range of global agencies and brands. Find out more at ivaudiobranding.com. As second lady during the Clinton administration, Tipper Gore made it her mission to bring awareness to mental health challenges and to disarm the stigma that goes with them. Today, she has renewed that effort, and Live Happy Science editor Paula Phelps talked with Tipper about how her own experiences have made her committed to helping others find the support they need. Tipper, we are so excited to have you on Live Happy Now, and you're here in Nashville for a visit, and you're here for Tennessee Voices for Children, which is an organization that you chaired and helped organize back in the 80s. And I thought it was really significant that you felt back then that it was so important to emphasize children's mental health at a time when when that wasn't a big focus. Can you explain what prompted you to organize Tennessee Voices for Children? Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here and to be uh, with you today, Paula, and I will be happy to explain why we founded Tennessee Voices for Children. Um, I've Certainly, like many people, had a lot of challenges in my life, and one of them was when our six-year-old son was hit by an automobile and was hospitalized for about a month. And we had tremendous support from the community and neighbors and friends and people asking about him. He um, he fully recovered, and as a matter of fact, he, he turned <laughs> 35 wow. recently, so he is <laughs> married fabulous. and is expecting his first child, so I'm very, you know, happy to report that. But back at the time, I came back to Tennessee for a visit. We were in Washington, and I met a woman named Andrea Eberly. And she said, how's your son? And I told her, he's fine now. And she said, well, I'm so glad, and I'm so glad that you had the support that you had when he was uh, injured. She said, I have a seven-year-old daughter who has been diagnosed with bipolar illness, and I'm having struggles with insurance coverage. I don't get casseroles from neighbors. In fact, people don't even call up and ask how she is because they're afraid they don't know how to approach it. And I was struck by the inequity of that. And I just got together some friends who were involved with mental health associations in Tennessee, got everybody around a table, and we all started talking about what we could do together. And out of that came the idea for Tennessee Voices for Children, which was founded in 1989. And I'm happy to say this past year has served about 55,000 families in Tennessee. It uh, services families that have a child with a mental health issue, um, and it helps support the families to know how to um, best help that child. Well, and it seems like the tide has changed in the sense that we'll mention mental illness and people are less ashamed to say, I have a son, a father, a child, myself, who is dealing with mental illness. And how has it helped to have someone like you who will come out and talk about things like depression and talk about it not as 
a topic to be stigmatized, but just something that we have in life, and it's another challenge that we have to learn how to roll with. One in five families in in our country will deal with an acute or chronic mental health uh, condition. So, you know, almost everybody is familiar with it. Um, My dream is that it will be considered the same as if you're looking at a person and their arm is broken, you say, you've got to get to the doctor, that's got to be fixed. You look at a person who says they have anxiety disorder or depression or other things that they're dealing with and you say, okay, you need to go to the right place to get the support and the health care that you need to deal with your issue. And it's the same. And that's one reason we work so hard for mental health parity, an act that was passed by the Congress in 1996, and we still have a ways to go. But you're talking about attitudes, and I understand that. I think more and more people have been comfortable talking about a mental health issue that they themselves have dealt with, and that helps to destigmatize mental health as an area that people are a little bit afraid mm-hmm. of and don't understand well. I think that education is the key to helping to destigmatize mental health issues. I think years ago, I talked about a depression that I had actually, after my son got well, then as often happens, then a person can get right. hit. I knew to watch for that because because my mother had suffered with depression at a time when it was not well understood in the 50s. And with the advent of antidepressant medication, modern antidepressant medications, she went on to live a very fulfilled life and and all of that. So some would say that incident kind of triggered it, and I had a proclivity for it. And so I got help right away. Friends came to me and they said, you know, hey, we think that uh, you might be slightly depressed. And I went, thank you. Is that what's the matter? <laughs> so, so is that a relief? Is that a relief yes. when I know that in my family, there's a lot of depression. So what kind of relief is it if you are suffering from depression and someone is able to say, look, this is what I think is going on and that's okay. And I'm going to stand here and be with you through it. Oh, it's a tremendous relief because um, it's just like sometimes, you know, somebody is they're not sure they're having a heart attack or they're not mm-hmm. sure they're having yeah. a stroke. You need somebody to say, hey, you need to get to the emergency room. It's the same with some of the um, the, the mental health uh, issues that we're talking about. If you're experiencing them for the first time, you may not know what it is that's going on. So it's a very much of a relief for somebody to uh, to point that out to you. I was able to get the help immediately that, that I needed. Right. And that's my hope for everybody. Now, fast forward, I think more and more people have been able to come out and talk about these kinds of issues, whether it's bipolar or depression or anxiety disorders. You know, for so long, we have heard in the past of, you know, just get over it. Why are you sad? You have no reason. And and it's the understanding that it's so much more. It's not just sadness. It's it's so much more than that. Well, it's a biochemical. And it's the brain, you know, and it's one of the most important and probably least understood parts of the human body, and Mm -hmm. all parts of the human body can have something go wrong. So, you know, these things go wrong in the brain. I know uh, I may have made many a speech and will continue to do so about mental health issues. And I say, you know, this thought that you can pray your way out of it, that's not right. Maybe your pastor can help you if your pastor has some training in mental health issues. And, you know, go to your pastor if that's 
where you need to go for help. But you can't pray your way out of it. You can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Right. And, I mean, you have to realize it's a health issue, and you take Kinda care like of it. Kind you can't give yourself CPR. You exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, But you can go and get the help that you need and, and get the right health care treatment. Well, and I know that you recently donated a million dollars to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and that, I believe, was for the teen outreach program. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. A program called Ending the Silence. And can you tell us a little bit about that and what compelled you to make such a significant contribution toward that? Well, um, Paula, I've been living a somewhat private life for, for a number of years, uh, even though I've been a mental health advocate forever and, and will always be. But I will tell you that after the election last November, I felt uh, compelled to do more, to, to step back up and uh, see what I could do to make a contribution to make people's lives better. And I was aware that NAMI wanted to expand their Ending the Silence program. It's a program that's about mental health education. Um, it's aimed at middle school and high schoolers, and it's in about half the states in this nation. And I wanted to be able to help them hopefully expand it to all the states for a couple reasons. First of all, mental health education mm-hmm. is extremely important. The teen suicide rate is the second leading cause of death among teenagers, just surpassing auto uh, accidents. Mm-hmm. And typically, teenagers and even people in middle school will know which of their friends are maybe having trouble, which might be mm-hmm. thinking about suicide, which may be have an anxiety disorder. They, they know and they talk, but they don't know where to go for help. So this Ending the Silence program addresses that. And I'm just hoping that an earlier intervention can prevent some of these mental health issues from becoming crises for these young people. That's fantastic because, you know, we've all seen social media has helped expedite the the rate of suicides, really, because there's so much more um, bullying that goes on. There's too much information. There's too much comparison of themselves to others and feeling inadequate. So, so as you, as a mother, seeing children, what is it that parents can do if they see these things going on in their children's lives? Because not, obviously not every child who's bullied is going to commit suicide, but we do see they are going to suffer depression. They're going to suffer anxiety. And in many cases, it is creating attempted suicide and suicide. So what can parents do to help children who are struggling with mental health illness issues? Well, the first thing that parents can do is talk to the child um, about it, try to get the child talking, and then get them to the, the right mental health professional. You know, whether it's a therapist or a psychiatrist, no matter who it is, I mean, get them to help right away. And sometimes that's difficult if the child is over... Um, 18 or right. you know, in some cases 21, it might be difficult. But generally, if the child is younger, they're going to need to do what the parent um, suggests strongly that they do. So get the child to the right mental health practitioner. Don't wait. Do right. it as There's soon as you do it as well. You don't know if there is or yeah. not. Particularly if you're talking about bullying and suicide, mm-hmm. you don't know how much time you have. So you know you do it immediately. And no matter what the mental health condition might be. I think the sooner you can get the person to the right treatment, in this case a child, um, 
the better off the outcome will probably be. Kind of like stopping the uh, bad food going in. You know, it's like the sooner you give them good eating habits, the healthier they're going to be for life. Exactly. So, So we are getting better as a society about recognizing depression, anxiety, other mental health issues. What do we need to be doing better? Educating people about this. I think making sure that there's insurance coverage for those who need it. Um, Whatever kind of coverage it is that a particular family might need, make sure that they get into a treatment program or get to a mental health practitioner. But Overall, I think what we need to do is educate our members of Congress, our state legislatures, uh, and others as to the prevalence of mental health issues and that they need to be treated fairly and equitably with other health care issues. Even though the Mental Health Parity Act was passed in 1996 and President Obama expanded it, um, I think everything is under question these days, right. particularly where health care is concerned. So this is going to affect the one in five American families that deal with a mental health issue. Boy, and that, and that affects all of us because it's not just those families. When someone has mental health issues, it can spill over. You don't know how. Um, that could be someone you're working for. And, you know, it yes. could be someone you work with, someone who your daughter is dating, things like that. So it's like it's not somebody else's problem, even if it's not in your own family. No, I mean, I think truly we're a compassionate people in mm-hmm. this country. And I think some of us need to rediscover that, that we uh, we need to care for one another. And, you know, if, you, if you're if you a neighbor and you notice something going on with a child, don't be afraid to perhaps talk to the parents. You might be rebuffed, but you might not be. Right. You might be welcomed. And it might cause an early intervention uh, with a child that's going to uh, have a much better, as I said, outcome in the long run. I mean, I really believe in no matter what area of healthcare we're talking about, <laughs> um, early intervention and prevention. Just look at all of the education about, you know, breast cancer awareness, like early detection, early detection, early detection. Well, the same thing is true for mental health issues. You know, er early detection and um, intervention can better outcomes. outcomes. That's fantastic. Exactly. You know, at Live Happy, we talk a lot about the things that can help with depression, you know, like being in nature, practicing mindfulness, having a gratitude practice. And I wonder what you do in your life to create joy. What is it that keeps you you grounded and, and keeps you uplifted? Well, I mean, I'm not just saying this, but my friends and family, first of all, they're a great source of um, of joy. And I just mean talking to, right. you know, one of my just children during the day. Connection. Um, so you do that with the people that are closest to you. I happen to love to be in nature. I like to hike. I love to go on walks. I like to travel a bit. I like reading. Um, I love listening to music. I have, you know, music I listen to in headphones, music I blare loudly throughout the house. <laughs> so what do you, you know? listen to? When you're blaring music, what are you listening to? Oh, I, a variety of things from Dire Straits to, you know, Coldplay. To, That's great. I mean, you know, I'm to Chad and Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the Rolling Stones to, you know, Bruce Springsteen I love. Um, anyway, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, I think, a, a variety of music that I like. But those are the kinds of things that I do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just as simple as going out for a walk. Yeah. You know, or taking a hike. I love to swim. So get a buddy. 
Right. Call a friend. If you're feeling uh, less than happy, <laughs> call, call, yeah. call a friend and, and say, and get up and move and do it with somebody. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even a phone call with somebody that's a friend or, or a member of your family, and you just talk about what's going on. You're just shooting the breeze, yeah. really. But, you know, you get off the phone, you feel better. Yeah. Uh, reading, I love, I, look, I like to read. And photography. And you wait do photography. I do photography. <laughs> I, I was leading up to that. Yes, uh, I grab my camera and, and go out and take, uh, and take photographs, you know. Absolutely. I love that. Or my iPhone. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. That's fantastic. So any listeners that we have out there who are facing challenges with anxiety and depression, but they're still reluctant to seek help, what could you tell them? in terms of to help them overcome that reluctance and and let them know that it really will be better if they can ask for help? I would say this to you. Um, I know for a fact that going for help and getting some treatment if you need it works. Well, you can't argue with that. Tiffra, I thank you so much again for sitting down with us. Uh, This has really been a pleasure and an honor. And I know that our listeners have have learned something new today, and it's been extremely beneficial for a lot of people out there. So thank you. Well, thank you for wanting to talk about all these things. I appreciate it, and thanks for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Tipper Gore's recent initiatives, visit us at livehappynow.com. And once again, we want to thank Nashville's Ivy Audio Branding for sponsoring this podcast and invite you to visit their website at ivaudiobranding.com. That's all the time we have today. So until next time, this is Jeff Sanders wishing you a great day and hoping that every single day you live happy.